What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 22 of the Antler Up podcast. And on today's episode, Dimitri and I are joined by Torn Miller with the National Deer Alliance. And for this episode of the Antler Up podcast, Torn talks to us about how he and the great people over there with the NDA are making a difference in the wild deer conservation and our hunting heritage. Uh, he shares with us uh, what the NDA is currently working on, CWD, and how you can get involved and how you can get involved for free. Uh, man, Dimitri and I, we really enjoyed having Torn on this episode. Uh, so thank you so much, Torn, for coming on and chatting with us. And be sure to check out uh, the National Deer Alliance and go sign up for their free over there for free. Uh, over on their website and then follow them on, on all their platforms. I know they're they're pretty uh, frequent with their Facebook postings, with their Instagram postings. So really good content, really good material uh, for us deer hunters. Uh, so go ahead, give them a support. Really good people. Uh, we had loved having him on and looking forward to having him on again to just talk hunting a little bit, personal side of things. Um, but what a fun and great informative uh, episode that we believe uh, this one was. So thank you again for coming on, Torn. And before we get into the episode, we want to just say a big thank you to all of you for the continued support, especially those that bought our shirts uh, that will be released, our Antler Up Waypoint. That should be getting to you, those that ordered, uh, coming soon. And then once I get uh, that nice check-in uh, from all the profits, the proceeds are going to go straight down to our anti-hunger uh, down here in central Pennsylvania at the YMCA. So I'm excited to do that and just add a little bit extra to that donation as well. And also... a big big thank you to all of our amazing partners be sure to check them out over on our website uh, we have onyx hunt app you know it's just that that app has been a lifesaver for me personally uh, in the woods and i know it, it helps out a lot of you uh, so make sure you download that app Now's the time, too, where you're going to be deploying trail cameras all over the creation. Uh, so pull up that app, you know, look at your waypoints that you've created over the last few months of scouting. Make sure you drop the waypoint of where you're putting that tra uh, trail camera. Use that icon, too, of the, on the, as a waypoint. Uh, then when you're done doing that, make sure your location's on and go for a nice hike and track it using the tracking system. See how far you went and the elevation and all that stuff. Uh, and all those key features, you know, could be used right from, uh, you know, obviously your fingertips on your phone and when you get home and you can test it look at some uh some data uh so go to onyxmaps.com and download the number one hunting app and last week i talked about from first light the solitude kit which is in stock actually right now so go pick that up because i know they won't last long um and but this week i want to talk about some gear that i'll be packing uh, with me for my utah archery mule deer hunt um and that's the ridgeline qz pullover uh, i actually started wearing this piece a little bit during turkey season um and i know for sure i'll have it in utah and it has that four-way stretch uh, and DWR material and can add that extra protection for any wind or light precipitation. Uh, and it's just a nice light piece. It fits great. And the jacket has, um, you know, that pullover just has, uh, it's cut perfectly and it's silent. So don't wait until the season is right upon you because trust me guys and girls this stuff sells out pretty quick uh, as we get closer to the season so find out more about uh, these pieces of gear but also what first light's about great company i know we donated a little bit uh for the backcountry hunters and anglers and some other QDMA stuff uh, for what's going on right now. So they're, they're doing a little bit donation every uh, time you check out over there at firstlight.com. So check out their stuff over on their website. And also too, this past weekend, I started dabbling with setting up some of my arrows for the hunting season. And I'm settling in on the Eastern Axis. They're tried and true for me as well as some FMJs, but I'm Right now, I'm doing a little bit of with the Easton Access, and I uh, got a nice little setup going, and I've been practicing a little bit more at that longer distance to get ready for Utah. Uh, it's coming quick here in August, and again, man, I, I threw on some severed broadheads and threw on the 1.7 as well as a 2.1, and boom, right there touching each other. Um, you know, at, at down at, at a nice 55 yard shot range. So they're flying perfect, they're durable. Uh, and obviously that cut, man, it speaks for himself. So they just straight up produce. So, you know, go over, check them out on, over on our website. We'll take you there to theirs. But if not, check them out over at severbroadheads.com and also check out eastonarchery.com. Uh, and man, I've been saying it for the past couple months. You know what we're about when we talk about bowstrings. It's, uh, you know, it's like the, why are you going to put, 
the wrong fuel in your car. It's the same thing as it comes to a bowstring. So that's why we, we always use the America's best bowstrings and why we continue to. And, uh, so make sure you do, uh, check out what they have going on right now. And now's the time because hunting season's about two, three months away for some of you, some of us. And man, I know they get extremely, extremely busy, but if you order right now, I guarantee you within two days, your strings will, your strings will be at your door and you'll be able to get them on, start shooting, breaking them in, uh, all that stuff for, for your liking. So check them out over at America's best bowstrings.com deal with great people, great warranty, and, uh, an amazing, amazing piece of product. And the last product and one of our last partners that we're going to get into before we get into the episode is uh, dealing with that we're excited to put uh, to the test in our Utah trip is the Argali Ultralight Game Bag Set. Again, we've broken that knife. It's perfect. It's, it's well balanced. It's super, super sharp. Uh, but our game bags that uh, hopefully we'll be filling up with some some uh, mule deer meat, uh, so quartering out some, some deer. So hopefully uh, we'll be able to test those out and uh, go in a little bit more detail of that. But if you want want to need a new uh a knife before you get into that for this upcoming season check out that carbon knife uh brad's an amazing individual uh so uh check out what he has going on with argali and uh you know check them out at their website at argaliaoutdoors.com so thank you everyone for listening i hope you enjoy today's episode with torin and until next time antler up Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up podcast. And we are live with Torin Miller of the National Deer Alliance, uh, who is the policy and outreach coordinator. So uh, Torin, thank you for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's actually my first time as a guest on a podcast. Um, hopefully not my last, but we'll see, I guess, how it turns out. <laughs> awesome. Um, we, do, so we do a bunch of stuff with the National Deer Alliance. Um, actually, a lot of that's on camera, so I'm comfortable with that. But uh, yeah, first time being a guest on a pack podcast so i'm excited awesome man well thank you for taking the time i appreciate it and dimitri you're the one that kind of hooked this one up so you know thank you for for that one yeah no problem i saw some of his posts and got excited uh about what they were doing so i wanted to get them on the podcast and explain themselves a little bit more and, and try to get them to reach out to some more people yeah and torn you know even to going going back to it i've i've been following the uh uh, what you guys been doing over at the NDA for, for quite some time over on Instagram and stuff like that. So it kind of, it works out great. And knowing that you guys, are, I mean, you'll get into it, telling us a little bit about yourself, about being local, but, uh, I think that's pretty awesome and I'm excited to have you on, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting time at NDA. Um, a lot of moving parts, um, and a lot of cool stuff going on. We're really excited about it. Yeah. Well, talking deer, we got bucks going in velvet. We got fawns dropping. We, you know, everybody's setting out cameras and getting ready for, for fall. It's going to be here before you know it. So I'm excited. Well, Torrin, thanks again. And, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, where you're coming from, how you got into hunting, kind of that whole background story, man. Yeah. So I'm from central Pennsylvania. Like if you would look at a map and put your finger in the very middle of the state, uh, you would be probably like 10 miles from where I'm at. Um, so I grew up smack dab in the state, um, really just at the foothills of the mountain region of Pennsylvania's Northern tier. Um, so like many, many kids who grew up in this area, I grew up hunting as well, grew up in a hunting family. Um, I learned to hunt from my dad and my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather was actually a deputy game warden with the Pennsylvania game commission. Uh, for a number of years. So, uh, he was a big influence on, on me as a hunter and, and how I hunt now. Um, a really good resource, obviously for following the rules, <laughs> um, which is a good thing for sure. Um, so, you know, a lot of my buddies are always asking me, uh, for clarification on, on what the rules are. Um, that's all. Awesome. It's just a, a product of my upbringing, but yeah, so grew up primarily deer hunting and turkey hunting. Um, and then as I got older, I, I took interest in, in other forms of hunting too. I got into waterfowl pretty heavily there for a while. Um, and don't do, do it nearly as much anymore, but I, you know, I still love it and, and it's something I want to get back into. Um, but really it was that love of hunting and being outside and in the mountains that shaped, um, both my education and my career. I went to Penn state, uh, as a wildlife major. Nice. We are. What year did you graduate? 15. Nice, man. Congrats. I'm a Penn State alum as myself. I'll tell you what, that's been, um, 
such a good selling point throughout my career too. <laughs> it's awesome. like everyone, everyone I talk to, they're like, Oh yeah, I went to Penn state too. Uh, so it, it creates a connection. It's been, um, really awesome to see that. Yeah, but, man. yeah. So graduated in 2015 with a wildlife degree. Uh, I knew I wanted to do more schooling in some regard, but I wasn't entirely sure what that looked like. Uh, originally I thought maybe grad school and more wildlife biology, but really through undergrad, I, I became more interested in the policy side of wildlife management and the people and human dimension side. And I ultimately decided to go to law school. And the, the thought was, is that I'd go to law school and either practice law in an environmental field or work as a policy professional in the sort of conservation nonprofit world. And that's exactly where I ended up with NDA. Nice, man. That's pretty freaking cool. I mean, when you say that, it's pretty impressive to think about. And what I love, too, how you were saying you wanted to take it to to that uh, outdoor field. Uh, so that's doing something that you love and being a part of that, which is fantastic. Well, you know, talking about the NDA, explain what the NDA is and how you got involved with them. Sure. The NDA serves as the guardian for wild deer across the country and our hunting heritage. Um, so we focus on all deer species, whitetails, uh, mule deer, blacktail, and then some of the subspecies such as key deer and coos deer as well. Um, and really what we are is we're a policy organization. The NDA had interesting roots. Uh, the original vision, so uh, we're five years old, so relatively young as far as um, conservation nonprofits go. I mean, some of them have been around forever, such as the the Boone and Crockett club and the Sierra club and such, but, um, we're five years old and the original, uh, purpose of the national deer Alliance was to serve as a sort of unified policy voice for the existing deer groups being the quality deer management association, the mule deer foundation and whitetails unlimited. And so that's sort of how it started. Uh, it was started by those groups and, uh, just the hunting industry in general to serve as that, that policy voice for deer specifically, that was something that was uh, lacking in the conservation world. And it's sort of evolved from there. Uh, we've taken on a lot more roles, um, expanded our policy outreach. Um, we do a lot of uh, work on chronic wasting disease that's sort of become our, our primary topic, right, uh, right. good or bad. Um, we like to think that it's noble work. And uh, so we focus heavily on that. It's not always uh, the happiest work um, because there's a lot of negative information. You know, it's, there are some, some cases and areas that it's, it can get pretty depressing, uh, but we just got to keep in mind what our end goals are. Right. Um, right. Oh, yep. and then, I mean, like you, that could be a whole rat, rabbit hole to go down. Um, but I hope we do talk a little, little bit about that just because I think it's a good educational uh, platform right now where we could talk about that as well to some of our listeners where, you know, I know, man, people will say it's not even a thing. And then you have other people that, you know, it just, it just, it could go and go and go. So I'm actually really interested to, to talk to you about that. That's kind of in the line of fire regarding that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely, definitely get into that because I think that's really important um, as to what NDA is all about, but also just for our home state here in Pennsylvania, especially right now with a lot of the uh, CWD management uh, plan uh, about ready to get voted on actually. So that's something we'll hit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my involvement with NDA started uh, a few years ago, actually um, shortly after Nick Pinizzato took the uh, president and CEO position, uh, I reached out to him and told him that, you know, I was interested in uh, that line of work and in uh, conservation nonprofit policy work and just, you know, giving them a heads up saying, Hey, if you ever need anybody to do some volunteer volunteer work on the, the policy or education or outreach side, I'd love to be involved. And eventually it got to the point where he needed that little bit of extra help and he brought me on. So I actually worked as an unpaid intern for Nick for, no, I think it was about two years. Um, while I was going through law school and then I finished up my law degree and took the bar exam and then started looking for a full-time job. And it just happened to work out that Nick had some extra funding and the timing just worked out perfect that he was ready to bring on somebody full-time. And so, um, I was fortunate enough to land that spot. Nice man. Congratulations. That's pretty awesome. 
yeah, it, it really worked out. And, um, you know, through, through college and, and law school and all of that, I was just very deliberate on the types of internships and work and connections that I made. Right. And I think it really helped out long-term, you know, landing somewhere that I'm really happy about and really passionate about. Right. Good for you. I mean, that's just something where you think about you, you went to, to Penn state, you got your degree, then you decided to go to law school. And it's just like, it's it, in this day and age, a lot of people do that and they work in something totally different than what they went to school for, um, which is totally fine. It's, that's not a terrible thing, but when you have that passion and that drive, um, man, it just seems so much better when you go to work and you're actually making a difference in, in not only in the wildlife atmosphere and for the wildlife, but then for us as other hunters in, in, you know, in, in the state of Pennsylvania and across the nation. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the hope anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, the feedback that we're getting from members and from people doesn't always feel like, uh, we're doing the best job, but, uh, you just have to realize that there are going to be people who have a different opinion, no matter what. And, um, we just keep doing the good work that we're doing, following the science and, um, keeping true to our mission. As long as you enjoy what you're doing, but just don't look at your student loan debt and you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so fortunately, if you, uh, there's what's called the public interest loan forgiveness program. So if you work in, a in sort of the nonprofit or government sector, yep. uh, you make 10 years worth of payments of loans and the rest of those get forgiven. Yeah, so, man. um, the goal is to be in this uh, line of work for at least 10 years, but hopefully much longer than that. <laughs> That's awesome. Is the NDA looking for a physical therapist? That I could really help him out. <laughs> I don't know. You have to talk to Nick. He's the one who's getting a little bit older. <laughs> well, Torin, let's uh, dive right in. We, we talked a little bit about CWD. So why don't we start with that? And, you know, we talk about numbers really dropping. And I think especially in PA, you know, and this is a good topic to talk about. Maybe this is a reason uh, those numbers are dropping. Are people scared to, to harvest a deer and, and then eat it? Um, so go talk us through a little bit about what NDA is doing for CWD and maybe some of the current research you may have heard about. Yeah, uh, like I said, CWD is really at the forefront of what we're doing. Um, and we have our hands in a little bit of uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, we're constantly working on our just daily CWD messaging. Um, every week we put out a, an e-newsletter and in that newsletter, we have a section that's called tracking CWD and there we just are trying to provide updates, uh, from across the country. So anywhere CWD pops up in a new area or anywhere where a state issues new regulations based on CWD management, uh, we're putting those articles in there just so people can stay up to date on what's going on. Uh, but more broad than that, we have our hands in a number of grants and research projects um, that are, are covering CWD from a variety of angles. Um, right now, we or just recently, we released a 14-part video series that basically answers some of the most commonly asked, commonly asked questions about CWD. So from everything from um, like, how do I get my deer tested or is my deer safe to eat? Um, to what is CWD just generally, uh, we answer those questions and, um, those videos are incredibly helpful right now. I think it's just released as, as the full, uh, 14 minute video, but we're getting ready to release those into smaller parts. So each video will answer a separate question and they're only a couple minutes long. So it's a really helpful resource if, uh, you just have like a basic question and the best place to get that is on our website. We have what we call our CWD resource center. And if you go to nationaldeeralliance.com forward slash CWD, it'll take you right to that page. And on that page, it has all of the articles that we have posted that uh, are about CWD. And then it has all our videos as well. So you can, you can reach that whole series there. And really what we're hoping to do is expand that, that video series to cover a variety of topics. Um, everything from, you know, hunter perception and hunter participation. Um, so like what, what hunters are expected to do if they're hunting in a CWD positive zone, as far as um, packing their animal out and what parts of the animal they can take home, what parts they can't, if they're tra traveling and hunting out of state, you know, what parts they can cross state lines with, et cetera. So that's all we want to put that in video form just because I think it's a little bit more uh, digestible. It's a little bit easier for people to follow. Um, 
what we're trying to avoid uh, to some degree is, is getting too heavy on the scientific terms. Cause there's a lot of that information out there, right? but it's not always getting uh, passed along to hunters in a way that makes sense. So really that's the goal of our, our overall communica- communications project is just to put information out that hunters specifically can digest. Yeah. I think sometimes it gets a little bit too complicated when, you know, you're seeing all these research uh, projects out there and, and a lot of people are saying, you know, what do I make sense of that? And, you know, how does that apply to me and, and the, the deer I'm harvesting in my area? So, you know, to have a lot of that basic information right in front of you is, is makes it easier for a lot of the hunters to access and, and really comprehend all that, uh, what's going on with CWD. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, a lot of the information is just sort of disseminated to the general public, but we want to create information that's specifically for hunters that makes sense, uh, for hunters. And so that's ultimately the goal. Well, cause I even think back to, uh, you know, going back to what Dimitri just said before about some people losing the interest because of this, I work with a, a, a woman and, uh, she's, she's on the verge of retirement pretty soon and wonderful person, uh, comes from a hunting family and her husband, uh, is still really heavily involved in going out every single year for, for rifle season and uh, season and stuff. And I know like when this first hit a few years ago coming into Pennsylvania, you know, we talked a little bit about it, her and I, and she talked about how her brother like decided not to come up anymore from the South to hunt because of the whole CWD thing. But now he does just because I think the education has been out there uh, for people to get a better understanding of what's going on. And like you said, just kind of leading that forefront to continue to do that, continue to educate is, is really important. Yeah, it's, it's a scary thing. And uh, in certain places that have had CWD for a long time, like uh, Wisconsin, for example, right. you are seeing a decline in hunter participation. Um, and sometimes that's the fear of, um, you know, is it safe to eat the meat? And sometimes that's just the hassle of, of having to, or at least the perceived hassle of trying, having to follow the rules as you're um, dressing and butchering your deer. Um so that, yeah, that's definitely a big concern, but on sort of the other end of the spectrum, also in places where CWD has been around for a while, you're seeing a little bit of issue fatigue and it's not unsimilar to what we've have sort of experienced with COVID-19 where you're just constantly hearing about the issue and you're hearing about it every day and every day. And maybe in your immediate area, you're not seeing uh, the direct impacts or direct effects. And so it's easy to push it aside as not a big deal. And you mentioned, um, that gentleman coming back up now from the South, you know, there's a shock value at the beginning when it first comes into the area. Um, but then as it's there for a while and you're not seeing any difference, you know, you kind of start to wonder, is it really a big deal? And, And maybe that's why he's coming up now because it's not perceived to be a big deal. And so those are the challenges that we're facing um, with our communications projects and also the challenges that wildlife, uh, state wildlife agencies are, are facing. Now, have you guys heard about any of the 2019 numbers, uh, regarding positive tests for CWD here in Pennsylvania? Um, yeah, I probably have those somewhere. We do, um, we do keep track of that stuff. Most states have reported, um, most of the final states that have reported are reporting uh, based on their winter, uh, their winter targeted removal efforts. Um, somewhere I have Pennsylvania's numbers. I have to pull them up. They might even be on our CWD resource page. Um, we still have the three disease management areas, uh, DMA two, three, and four. Uh, three being the largest or I may have misspoken. It might be two is the largest. I have to check the map again. Um, but the biggest area is sort of South central PA. Um, that's the largest disease management area. And then there's one covering sort of Northwestern PA, sort of Clearfield County. That Dubois area. Yep, exactly. And then there's a little hot spot, um, basically surrounding Lancaster. Like, yep. There was a positive on a farm there and that created the hot spot over there. Right. Well, I know last year there was a lot of uproar with a lot of the hunters because they were talking about uh, some of 
the state sending in snipers to shoot off a lot of these deers in the area. And there was a lot of rumors going around of, you know, how they were going to manage these deers in these areas. I think, you know, it, it's important to show what's really going on and, and kind of demiss some of these rumors for, you know, hunters aren't getting mad and, you know, which could possibly lose even more hunters. So, you know, being able to figure out the facts is really important as well. Yeah. And that's tough because nobody wants, um, the deer in their hunting area. I mean, nobody wants to see less deer unless you're maybe a suburban homeowner and they're eating, you know, your rose bushes or something. <laughs> cr- but, crushing $10,000 of your, uh, <laughs> right. But no hunter wants to see less deer when they go hunting. So that's a hard sell. And it's even harder when it's happening in your hunting area, especially if you feel like you're not seeing enough deer already. Um, but the important thing to understand there is that thinning the herds or reducing densities has been one of the only tools that has been proven effective at slowing the spread of chronic wasting disease. Okay. And, and that's just how it is. Um, Illinois is a great example. They've had chronic wasting disease for nearly as long as Wisconsin shortly after Wisconsin. And they've been able to keep their prevalence rate or the rate uh, of infected individuals the same as we're seeing with COVID-19, they've been able to keep that at a manageable level, I think under 5%, which is really sort of the threshold the states are trying to keep their prevalence rates at. Um, For example, parts of Wisconsin are up to like 20%. So that's like one in every five adult bucks is testing positive for chronic wasting disease. And I think in parts of Wisconsin, they're even seeing um, where one in three bucks or one in three deer even is testing positive. So that's what happens whenever, and we can, I don't want to get into the Wisconsin issue because that's been beaten to death. Um, But Wisconsin took a different management approach than Illinois did. And we're seeing very stark differences in, in prevalence rates. Um, A lot of the, a big argument we hear with uh, targeted removal is hunters want to shoot the deer themselves. The issue with that is that hunters have not been uh, proven to be incredibly effective at taking the number of deer that actually need to be removed right. to meet those density goals. To meet the meet, um, to, to meet like you said to meet those specific goals. And that's the key. Right. That's that's the key thing is you guys have a goal in mind, and in order to hit that, it's just not up to us as hunters because we can't just always do it. And that and that's not you know, hundred percent our fault. So <laughs> there's a couple ways that, that, that we're given that opportunity. Sometimes it's extended seasons. T- sometimes it's increased tag allocations. Uh, sometimes it might be, you know, like antler point restriction removals in certain areas, uh, all sorts of things. And, and that's all stuff that the Pennsylvania game commission is looking at as well. And, and so there are those options available to hunters. Uh, but some of the other problem is, is that uh, some of these areas are, are privately owned. Uh, so the game commission just can't come onto a private parcel and, and remove those deer. They have to have landowner approval. And so that's a challenge in itself is trying to get um, landowners, especially if they're hunters to agree to let, you know, the game commission come on their property to, to remove a certain number of deer. And that's, a, again, that's a tough sell. Um, where I'm at in the middle of the state, we're not quite in a CWD management zone yet. Um, so this isn't something like I've faced here or really anywhere where I've hunted yet. Um, so I can't, you know, I can't speak for the guys and gals that are, that are hunting in those areas. And I understand it's a tough sell, but ultimately we have to keep in mind the long-term strategy. And, and if we want to end up in a place where we have sustainable herds for a long time, then, then we really have to make some changes in how we manage deer. Right. And then have you heard just because I'm, I'm, I saw a picture of an L come across the uh, NDA website just for something. And ha- from the state of Pennsylvania side of things, have we encountered uh, any numbers of, of our elk herd with the CWD? No, we haven't had any elk positives yet. It's all still in whitetails. Um, elk are susceptible to CWD. Um, whitetails, mule deer, elk, moose, uh, reindeer are, have all uh tested positive for CWD. Um, it's actually been found in Norway, South Korea, the U S Canada, and maybe one or two other countries. But, uh, here in Pennsylvania, our elk herd has not, um, 
been affected yet. And I think I'd have to reread this, but I think our game commission even said that if there were to be a positive elk detection, that they still would not increase uh, elk tag allocations. Yeah, I, I'm sure a lot of people would be hoping for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. You're like, oh, maybe I'll actually draw a tag. <laughs> And, you know, the state has a great uh, system where you can get your deer tested. So for a lot of those people that are concerned, um, you know, you're able to get the deer tested and maybe that'll make it uh, make you feel better about eating the meat. Um, Can you touch upon that process that the state has for testing? Yeah, so they have throughout the disease management areas, they have collection bins. And basically you just drop off the head of the deer. Um, if it's a buck, you can remove the skull plate and then drop the head and you drop it in there and it has your information. Um, and then they'll send it to a lab and they'll test it and you'll, you'll get the results back. The, the challenge, most challenging part with that in Pennsylvania and elsewhere is the the turnaround time on the tests. Um, there's just not enough funding, uh, in state wildlife agencies to just take on these giant projects. Um, so a lot of times results are not coming back for sometimes weeks. Um, and, and the issue with that is people have already taken their deer to the processor and they've already paid to have it processed and they've already got it back and it's in the freezer or they've already consumed it. Uh, so it's a challenge because it's like, you know, either you're going to pay up front to have that, have that deer processed if you're not doing it yourself only to find out later that it says positive for CWD or you're trying to, uh, you know, store the meat for that period of time until you get your test back um, and, or you've already eaten it. So it, it's, there's definitely, it needs to be improvement there. And that's things that researchers are working on is how they, how can they turn that around quicker um, to make it easier for hunters to, to still want to get out there and hunt uh, knowing that they can have their deer tested quickly. And if it's, if it's negative, they can go ahead and eat their deer, you know, soon after the harvest. And if it's positive, then they can discard of that deer. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be tough to fi- have that fine line of, you know, speed as far as the testing and then having the hunter wait for those test results. Um, I think as we go further, there's more research being done in, in each state and especially at these universities, is which is really going to help the CWD, uh, maybe a solution, come up with that. So um, just one of those things you got to be hopeful that they can figure it out and, you know, really sustain the herd for we can hunt and pass that on to our kids and the generations past us. Yeah. And that's really what it's all about. Um, I know in Pennsylvania and we see this throughout the, the U S as well is there's just a sort seems to be a general distrust in state wildlife management agencies for whatever reason. And you know, we work closely with the Pennsylvania game commission. We work closely with a lot of state agencies. And the truth of the matter is, is that the people working there are hunters just like you and I are, um, they work there because they're passionate about the wildlife that they're working to, to manage. They do not want to see all the deer gone. Uh, the insurance companies are not paying them off uh, to create less deer vehicle collisions. They're really just truly trying to do their best to do what's best for the deer herd. And unfortunately in this situation, that means less deer. And, and like we said earlier, it's just a hard sell for hunters to accept less deer. Right. Um, but that's when you have to have that, you know, sort of forward looking mindset and realize, you know, the alternatives if we don't take action now. Let's take a quick break and thank our partners over at Cobra Archery. Uh, the Harvester release is the one that I'm using right now. And man, I love the adjustability. I love what this has to offer between the UTS unified trigger system, uh, where I'm able to adjust the length, the angle and the rotation of that thumb trigger. Uh, and man, all you got to do is just quickly and securely, uh, set it in position with just one screw and it's down nice and tight. It doesn't move on you. You're able to adjust the tension of, of your trigger. So you can have a little bit uh, more pull on that, or you can have a more sensitive. So it's a full adjustability thumb release. I'm loving it. It's built like a tank. It's super light. It fits nice in the hand. Uh, so check that sucker out over at irondecoy.com. Right. And I don't want to say it's the same thing, but it's along the, that line of when they first introduced the antler restriction here in Pennsylvania, you know? Like, yeah. Like, like yeah. It was, was a tough sell back then. Yeah. Um, but now they're trying to, or at least now it's been up for discussion, whether they would remove that, you know, in CWD zones or statewide. 
and people hate that idea. So, you know, people have come to love the, the antler restrictions here. And I think they've seen the positive uh, results from antler restrictions throughout the state. But again, it's just, you got to think about the future uh, and, and for the future generations. And that's really what it's about. Yeah. 100%. Now, you know, you talked about uh, the CWD and what you guys are doing right now. What other programs or conservation uh practices are you guys taking, especially, you know, across the nation, but then, you know, you could even touch upon more specifically uh, within the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, CWD is definitely our biggest. Um, other issues that we definitely get involved in are hunter access, uh, federal and state land management. Um, we get involved a little bit in, um, well, yeah, state and land, state and federal land management, hunter access. Those are two of the big ones. Um, sometimes we'll get involved in predator management stuff, depending on what that looks like. Um, we try to focus pretty, pretty heavily on deer, uh, but with some of the larger um, land management things, um, as far as like creating new hunting opportunities and opening access to hunters, we definitely get involved with those. Um, and then just general wild deer conservation. So if it's an issue that impacts deer, deer habitat, that's something that we're going to get involved in. Now you guys getting involved with the wolves out in Colorado. I mean, that's pretty popular, uh, debate going on right now. Are you guys getting involved in that at all? That's generally something we'll stay away from. Um, it's just a lot bigger than sort of what we're focused on right now. It's such a divisive issue. But if we felt that there was a, a, you know, a significant need for, for us to get involved or for our membership to get involved, we definitely would. Yeah, that's something where I think about with going on within our state in particular, going back to the CWD, talking about the antler uh, restrictions. There are so much um, great things that that have changed for us for the better. Um, you know, that I, I look back at like now growing up, just thinking of some of the bucks that my dad would would have shot. You know, I know I'm kind of going back here, but like it's just kind of refreshing my brain where now we see bucks that are two and a half year old deer that I would originally would think like, wow, that's a four year old buck. But in reality, like it's just because of the genes and and the nutrition that's going on anymore of of some of the farmers and stuff that that's going on where uh, where I'm hunting back at home. It's just nice to see some of the, the the growth and the development that over the years has has had a positive impact on on the deer herd. Yeah, and, and a lot of that comes back to sort of the human dimensions and and people and hunter management side of wildlife management. Um, state agencies are great at managing wildlife and handling the science, um, but sometimes they're not so great with communicating to hunters. And that's sort of a bridge that we're trying to gap is serve as sort of a liaison between state agencies and hunters um, and be that voice going in both directions, you know, um, informing our membership what, what state agencies are up to and then also relaying back to the agencies what our members are saying. Um, so we want to sort of close that gap a little bit, that disconnect between hunters and the state agencies as far as just communication on what the state agencies are up to and what hunters want to see. Yeah, because I feel it's one of those things that everyone has to be in it together. It, you know, if, if one person's trying to do this, another one wants to do this. I mean, it's it's that unity that you have to build in the hunting community for this to work. And, and you know, with you guys and the hunters and then the the state have to be kind of on the same page and, and really know what's going on and, and kind of know what the plan is um, or the management side isn't really going to work in the end. Yeah. And, and so the big thing that we try to do there, one of the big ways we try to get our membership, you know, to get their voices heard is, is that we pass along policy and, op and, and offer um, opportunities for our membership to make their voices heard. So on pieces of legislation uh, that are accepting public comment, we encourage our membership to, to voice their opinions. Uh, we send out action alerts on state legislation. We send out action alerts on um, new regulations that agencies are passing and they're accepting public comment. Um, so we just try to make our members aware of the opportunities to specifically make their voices heard. Um, and agencies, they listen to that stuff. Um, a lot of their decision-making is based on the feedback that they get. Um, and I know sometimes it feels like you're hearing a lot of negative feedback from the hunter side, 
but when you look at the numbers of the comments that the agencies are receiving, they're overwhelmingly positive. So it's either um, the hunters who have the negative views are not making their, their voices heard by commenting, or they're just, you know, maybe a vocal minority. Um, but if there's enough opposition to something that an agency is doing, and they're seeing that as they're asking people for input, they're really going to cons- seriously consider uh, what the hunting base is saying. Yeah, and I think that goes uh, along with the Sunday hunting, which we're going to see for the first time in PA this exactly, year. Yeah, exactly. You know, a lot of people wanted that and, and really pushed that for probably several years now. And, and finally, we're going to get three days out of the, the hunting year that we're going to be able to hunt on Sunday. And, and, you know, we really pushed it and you guys pushed it and the legislation pushed it. And here we have it. We're going to have Sunday hunting this year. Yeah. And that one's tricky because uh, that decision was left up to um, the Pennsylvania lawmakers and not the game commission itself. Right. Um, and I think some people don't realize that and they get frustrated with the game commission. Um, the game commission's all for that. Uh, and they've proven that, but they only have the authority before they didn't have the authority to allow, uh, hunting on Sundays. And now they had authority to open up three Sundays. And so they opened up a uh, Sunday in archery season and they also extended our season by a week, which I'm really pumped about. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> um, I think we can go to like November 20 this year. So that's awesome. It's like a week later. And then they opened up a Sunday for our bear hunting season. Uh, so instead of it starting on a Saturday and then having to take a Sunday off and then getting Monday, Tuesday, um, I don't know if it's open that Wednesday or not, but now you can hunt straight through. And then they did the same thing with our, uh, rifle deer season. So I think that'll prove to be really effective for hunter recruitment. Um, but it's also just like you said, it's, it's a great win because that's a direct effect of hunters, uh, making their voices heard to their lawmakers in Pennsylvania and the lawmakers listening. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's just awesome to see. And uh, I know I'm excited. I've, I've said it countless of times to a couple times on our podcast where, man, I think back to two years ago and Saturday was just horrible weather and Sunday was just the perfect day. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how, how it plays out this year. Yeah. And that's what I've said too. It, it's not necessarily going to get me in the woods more. Um, I have flexibility in my job with the deer Alliance that I can get out to hunt. It's, um, you know, part of my job in some respects. Um, and also, you know, I want some family time on the weekends as well, but if we have a rainy day on a Saturday, it's going to make it pretty easy to sit that day out and then go Sunday if it's nice. So like you said, it's, it's going to give people more options, I think. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, you know, you talked about too, about working closely with the PA game commission. Now, could you talk about maybe your relationship with some other organizations like, uh, QDMA and, and, uh, other programs like that? Yeah. So as I mentioned, uh, originally NDA, NDA was sort of formed to be the po- uh, unified policy voice for QDMA, uh, Mule Deer Foundation and Whitetails Unlimited. So we work, um, closely with them and they're big supporters of us. Um, but outside of that, we work with, a, a large number of organizations. Um, other ones that we work um, pretty closely with and regularly with are the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, uh, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, um, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Um, those are some of the bigger ones that we work with. But, you know, a lot of the issues that we're getting involved in are issues that the broader conservation community are getting involved in. So, like a letter that we'll sign on to that gets sent to lawmakers. We'll have all kinds of organizations like Trout Unlimited would be on there or the National Wild Turkey Federation, the Sportsman's Alliance. Um, I mean, you name it. But, you know, we're working with anybody really who's going to, who's going to, you know, agree with what we're trying to do and anybody who's working on initiatives that are ultimately resulting in wild deer conservation. Yeah. And I know we talked about a little bit before, uh, how the NDA's platform is to kind of inform people of some of these things that's going on. Why else do you feel that it's important for people to really be part of not just your organization, but all these organizations that are fighting for some of these hunters rights and, and informing the hunters of what's going on? Yeah. So the unique thing about NDA is that membership's free. Um, we don't charge anything for a membership. All we need is your email address and your zip code. And that way we can get you our e-newsletter and we can also send you action alerts. We need your zip code so we know where to send um, any letters that you sign up 
onto where we know where to send the, or which uh, lawmakers to send those to. Um, so that's, that's the cool thing about NDAs. It doesn't cost you anything and you're getting a really great service. You're, you're getting up to date, um, action alerts specifically for your state. Uh, so in Pennsylvania, if you're, if you're a member and you're signed up in Pennsylvania, uh, and a piece of legislation comes out, we will send that directly to your inbox. So, you know, uh, to make your voice heard on that. Uh, similarly, if there's a, you know, big piece of national legislation that's on the table, you'll get that as well. Um, but you know, other organizations too, that have more of a grassroots network. So they may have local chapters. Um, those are really important too, because they're doing a lot of on the ground work, uh, whether that's habitat work or whether that's lobbying in Washington, DC or within their States. Um, and they need funds to do that. And that's what your membership is paying for. Um, most conservation nonprofits are really efficient. So they're able to stretch your dollars uh, really far and make most of that membership fee go towards the mission. And that's really important. And so um, I'm always encouraging people to pick, you know, an organization that best represents what they're interested in and becoming a member. Um, because not only are those dollars going right into conservation, but generally you're going to get something really great out of it, whether that's, you know, access to your local uh, chapters and banquets or a great membership magazine uh, or things like that. That's what I've, I've heard that on other podcasts of, you know, especially during these times now it's tough, especially for the nonprofits, you know, a lot of things got shut down or, you know, uh, a lot of things that people were going to or events that they were hosting. So, you know, now's the time if you can, I know not everyone has the funds to, to really be just donating money at this time, but if you do pick something, uh, support them. This is a time that they really could need it. So it's going to really show a lot if you can give some support. Yeah, that's exactly right. For conservation organizations, especially those grassroots organizations or organizations that um, bring in a lot of their budget based on uh, banquets or shows, that comes in, in, in sort of late winter, early spring, so February, March, April. And of course that was perfectly lined up with uh, everything shutting down across the country. So there are a lot of conservation organizations that are, are really hurting right now. And so, like you said, it's really important if you have the extra uh, now's the time to become a member. Yeah. Cause I don't, I think a lot of people don't understand how much work you guys are really putting into a lot of these organizations. You know, I think some people just see the newsletters or see you at events and, you know, don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. That's why we really wanted to get you on and explain to people of what you guys do and, you know, everything that goes on behind the scenes as well. Yeah, that's it. That's a hundred percent true. And even before I got involved in NDA, you know, I fell into that same trap. It's easy to not realize what's going on when you can't see it, but there is so much going on, um, with policy work and even habitat, uh, work, but, you know, I'm more familiar with the policy side. There's so much going on, um, between these organizations and state agencies and, and state governments, uh, state lawmakers, and then federal lawmakers as well. I mean, it's a constant back and forth, um, people keeping track of legislation and rulemaking and pushing agendas for uh, hunters and sportsmen. Uh, I mean, it's, it's an endless, endless job. And these organizations do a really great job of making sure that their members' voices are heard. Um, and so a lot of that is not seen outside of, you know, what shows up in a newsletter, but there's a ton of work going on behind the scenes and that all gets funded by membership and donation dollars. There's a lot of people that maybe not, don't even understand what a Paul, like this policy X is trying to represent or can do for them. Um, and I know from getting a, the newsletters from backcountry hunters and anglers, you know, there's things where I'll be able to I'm like, Oh wow. I didn't even know that thing was going on and it's be able to go on. And, and it's kind of that cookie cutter of the information that I need and that how I could be involved to help and sign. Um, it's really helpful just because again, like I said, it's, I, I didn't even know some things were going on and uh, it's, it's, yep. it's, it's very helpful. Well, yeah. And so the other, the other part of that is that, uh, as organizations working policy, it's our, it's our job to make it as easy as possible for people to get involved. Um, and so really what we're trying to send out is, you know, here's what's going on. Here's what it means. And here's what it means to hunters. And this is what you can do about it. And for the most part, it's just a couple clicks of your mouse 
maybe autofill into the form and you're sending letters off to your, to your lawmakers, whether that's state or federal, and they're hearing that you support or oppose whatever the policy or legislation item is. It's really simple. Um, So if you get those emails, take the 10 or 15 seconds it takes you know, to send that, uh, to make those couple clicks and send that letter out because it will make a difference. 100%. And for the last break of the day, let's thank our partners over at Stoker Eye Stabilizers. And on my Matthews VXR 28, I have the M1 Hunter 14. So it's that SS1, it's that single bar. And it's perfect for me because of having that tight spot quiver on my bow as I hunt, as I shoot daily. Uh, so it's really there for that balance. It eliminates that vibration. Amazing people, Sean and Kyle over there, uh, man, they're just good customer service. They deal with you right uh, uh by a phone call. So just give them a, a shout out on online through a message. They'll get back to you if you need any help adjusting anything. Uh, uh, man, just all around great dudes, great company, great product. And uh, check them out over at Stokerized Stabilizers. Check them out over at Stokerized.com. Now, do you guys put on any local events, um, whether it's in PA or anywhere else that people uh, can come to? We don't yet. Um, so there's a couple things that we're going to try to do. Uh, for instance, in PA this year, we are going to be at the total archery challenge. Um, it's in seven Springs, Pennsylvania yep. at the, res- the ski resort there. That was supposed to be this spring. Um, but that's got pushed back to August. Uh, but we'll be there with a booth and then something else we've sort of thrown around and it's going to get started eventually is, um, we're going to start doing some pint nights. Um, probably start in Pennsylvania and then expand that, um, out from here. Let's start at state college. (laughs) We we can do that. Uh, A lot of good options to host. 100%. (laughs) Well, that's awesome that about the whole total archery challenge thing, because, uh, Dimitri and I and our buddy Tim, we are, we are going out west to our Utah uh, mule deer hunt this, this upcoming August, and we're going to go for opening weekend. And the way travel could possibly have it, uh, we might be able to come that Sunday okay, yeah. um, to the Total Archery Challenge because regardless, we're going to have a sponsor target on the knock-on course from Thursday through Sunday. And we're going to be giving giving away some cool uh, giveaways from all our partners uh, that we have. And uh, so unfortunately, Dimitri and I will not be there Thursday, probably through Saturday. Um, but I'm I'm trying my darnest to, if we get back in time, to, to make it Sunday. But regardless, our buddy Mike, uh, who is part of Antler Up, he's going to be there the whole week uh, or the whole weekend, basically, the whole shoot. And he's going to be kind of the man on for, for Antler Up. So I'll tell him to come see you and say hello. And uh, anything that you need from, from us, we'll be happy to help. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And, I mean, the same thing going forward. Um, like I said, we're growing. We're getting involved in a lot more things. Um, so this is really just the beginning and it's going to get a lot better from here. Yeah. And I, you know, I know I mentioned earlier in the beginning about following you guys on, on Instagram and stuff. I know too, on Facebook, that's probably where I've been following you guys the longest. Um, and like you mentioned the, the Wisconsin and just seeing things in different States, that's something like to what five minutes ago, we were talking about some of the information that you're providing. It's just really good content that, you know, makes uh, any hunter aware of certain situations that's going on in the world. Um, and like we were saying with a whole, all you got to do is just read a few minutes. And if you make it simple enough for us to understand, you could go click on a, on a link to help make a difference. And that's something where Dimitri, we talked upon earlier about it's about the future and torn. You talked about that. It's about our future. And um, I mean, like I said, you know, when things are happening in your backyard, it's sometimes ha- hard to have that, perspective um we like things to say to stay the same um but you really got to get past that and realize what the bigger picture is um and at the deer alliance i mean that's what we're trying to trying to get people to do um putting out really focused information that uh is focused on deer and deer hunting and deer hunters um in that way when things are hitting your inbox you know that it's something that you're going to want to read um and that's that's what our goal is could you give us any insight maybe off air about uh, the mule deer population in a certain region in Utah? <laughs> here, here coming up. Uh, 
so just so that way, Dimitri and I and Tim, we we have a good uh, no. good. We actually do work pretty closely with the the Utah guys at their state agency. There um, you go. No, I don't think you can go wrong in Utah. That's awesome, man. So how can people get involved in NDA? I mean, you talked about signing up for a newsletter. Is there anything else that people can do to get involved with your programs? That's the biggest thing um, is, is go to our website and right on the homepage, you'll see a, a button that says join the Alliance. And like I said, it's some very basic information, your email address, your name, uh, and your address, just so we know where you're at in the world. So we know who your lawmakers are. And that's all you have to do. I mean, there's no, uh, no fees, no nothing. Um, we don't send out a ton of email. Like we won't spam you with things that you don't necessarily want. We do a, a one newsletter a week, Wednesday mornings that hits inboxes. Uh, and that covers things that we have done throughout the week. Um, we're updating our website with blog posts and action alerts throughout the week, but you normally won't get those until Wednesday morning. The exception to that is if it's a big piece of legislation, um, federal legislation or something, for instance, uh, there's some stuff going on with the great American outdoors act. We'll send a, you know, a, an action alert out to our entire membership base for something like that. Or if there's something very state specific going on in your state, we may send you an action alert on that. Um, but again, you know, it's all, you know, hopefully if you've come to the Deer Alliance website and signed up, that's stuff that you're wanting to see in your box anyway. Right. Try to make a difference. Awesome, man. Well, we're just shy of an hour. And uh, is there anything else that we didn't touch upon, Torn, that you would like to talk about? No, I mean, I think we, I think we covered it all really well. Um, CWD is an incredibly important topic. Um, and I just ask that, you know, guys and girls uh, give their state agencies a chance. Um, it's a novel disease and they're trying to figure it out. Uh, we're making good progress, you know, hopefully. And, and it's very, very, very similar in the way that um, it spreads and both just sort of the, the uncertainties. It's very similar to, to what we're experiencing with COVID-19. So, you know, hopefully that sheds some light on it and people get a better understanding of, um, you know, what the management strategies are and that, um, our state and wild, state and federal wildlife managers and our, our researchers are doing the best that they can to find the best answers for everybody. Um, I mean, nobody wants to be in this situation. It just is what it is. Um, hopefully down the road, we find out it's not as bad as we think. Um, that certainly doesn't look like it's the case, but I, I would much rather put a ton of time and effort into fighting this now and figure out that it's not as bad as we thought than to just be passive and uh, let things take their course and, and find out that it's really, you know, a devastating disease as we suspect it is. Right now you, uh, I mean, I don't, that was a, a great way to end it, but it's kind of triggered something that I was thinking about earlier is you talked about what our game commission right now is actually getting on the, uh, get ready to vote on something. Aren't they with the CWD as well? Yeah. So they, they released what is called their CWD uh, management plan and it might be a CWD response plan or, or the wording might be slightly different, but um, basically it outlines how they intend to manage CWD in the state. Um, the draft proposal was released last September and it was open for comment until I think it was March or April of this year. Um, so people were able to get their comments in on that. And then they took that, those comments and they did a, basically a second draft. Uh, they called that the revised report, which included all the input that they received. And then they put together that revised report and that goes in front of the board of commissioners. So uh, the board of commissioners are people from across the state. Uh, they're not government employees. They don't get paid to do what they do. Uh, but they are ultimately the ones that make the, the management decisions for the game commission. Now the game commission scientists um, can make recommendations and that's ultimately what their job is, is to make recommendations to the board of commissioners, but the board of commissioners are the ones that actually make uh, the decisions. And so this revised CWD management plan will go in front of the board of commissioners and then they will vote on um, to accept it or deny it, or maybe accept parts or deny parts. Um, but I think that vote's supposed to come up uh, in next month in July. Okay. 
So it's definitely not too late to have your uh, opinion heard. I'm not sure. Let me bring it up real quick. I'm not sure if they're still accepting comments on that or not. Um, I'm not sure that they are, um, but I'm still sure an email uh, to the game commission wouldn't hurt. Right. Right. Well, awesome. Torn. Thank you so much, man, for coming on and, and, you know, just giving us all that great information. We really appreciate it. Uh, where could people find uh, more about what's going on with the NDA and, um, you know, where to reach you guys at? Yeah, uh, nationaldeeralliance.com is our website. Um, everything we do gets posted there. So that's the best way to find uh, something specific. Or if you're looking for daily updates, we're also on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at uh, Deer Alliance or National Deer Alliance. Um, and a lot of that is an extension of, of the website. Um, so we're on all those channels. Um, we're also building our YouTube channel up. Uh, so all of our CWD video content will be up there with, as long as, as well as um, what we call our coffee and deer segment, which is basically uh, a news update that I and our president CEO put out on um, deer news going on. And then we also cover CWD there as well. So, um, but all that stuff is also available on the website. So any of those individual channels, or you can just go to the website and get a catch all. Awesome, man. Well, appreciate it, man, for coming on. We, we, uh, we're really looking forward to seeing what you guys, you know, continue to put out and, uh, thank you for your hard work and for Nick's hard work and, uh, all your board of directors and stuff, just because again, like it, it doesn't for some, like you said, it may seem like it goes unnoticed, but it doesn't. And we appreciate your hard work and thank you for your time for coming on. Yeah, we appreciate that. Uh, we'll have to get out and do some hunting. And, you know, you guys aren't too far from me. No, yeah. for sure. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Make sure, I uh, uh, hope you enjoyed this one. And uh, till next time, Antler Up. And that wraps up this latest episode of the Antler Up podcast. Thank you, Torn, for coming on. Please, everybody, go uh, check out the NDA. And uh, also, thank you so much if for all that support, like we said earlier. That truly means a lot to us. If you like what you heard, please go leave her a positive review. It really helps us out for what we're doing. And uh, go check out all our partners. they got amazing things going on right now. It's Father's Day's coming up, so I'm sure sales will be out the wazoo. So check them out uh, for what's going on. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the support. Till next time, keep shooting straight and antler up.